pay disparity between the men and women is is just too large and and we want to continue to fight uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to to keep on fighting the pay cap for the women's major league soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's major league soccer 11 times Rapino gets across it Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Give and Go with Girls Soccer Network. This is episode 48, and we are so excited to bring it to you. Of course, all the latest news, analysis, lifestyle, everything pertaining to the world of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com or check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network or on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. All right, episode 48, a lot to get into, guys. We have a very special interview with the new coach of the Chicago Red Stars, Chris Petroselli, who, again, is coming from the college ranks. We've got all of that and more, you know, the Challenge Cup, a couple different other news and important stories that we wanted to let you guys know about and, and give you our thoughts. Here we go. Let's jump right in. First and foremost, we received some somber news on the passing of Katie Meyer, and we just wanted to take this opportunity to honor her and really talk about what she accomplished, what she did in terms of that run at Stanford where we got to see her on you know, the national stage in the spotlight, really capturing our hearts and inspiring us to do our best, like watching her constantly strive for more. And there aren't too many personalities that were that outspoken and willing to show that much emotion, that pure, just raw emotion that you saw from her on the pitch. Um, felt like she could have had the potential to be a really great NWSL goalkeeper. So it's unfortunate that uh, we've lost her. We miss her. We miss you dearly for everything that you brought to the world, Katie. We will sincerely, sincerely miss you. Okay, moving on, we wanted to also get into, I think, one of the more interesting, you know, drama-filled situations that went down. Uh, Carly Lloyd, since her retirement, of course, I don't think it should come as a surprise to many, has been bad-mouthing and saying some things about the U.S. Women's National Team. Ironically enough, it was Hope Solo who interviewed her, and I think we know, like, of all of the players who have been, like probably impacted the most and who will have bitter resentment towards the U.S. women's national team, it is these two players. And the fact that you got them together on cam in one interview, I'm honestly impressed at their ability to rein it in and the fact that they didn't say more. They could have absolutely have gone on and said more. Um, but yeah, Carly making those comments saying that people care more about improving their brand than about winning, which is very, you know, an interesting take on that. You, you know, you can speculate all day on who she's talking about, whether that's Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, you know, not, not entirely sure who she is referring to there, uh, but it's pretty wild that this, from the moment she's retired, she hasn't had a single good thing to say, really, that's made the news. If it is, it's not being highlighted. Naturally, all the bad stuff that she's saying is going to be highlighted instead. So I think Carly Lloyd 
you know, it's just a hilarious situation that you have Hope Zolo interviewing her when, like, the U.S. Women's National Team have done them probably wrong the most. Even though, like, for you to just, like, have just retired and to just immediately come out and, and say these things when I'm sure there are certain things that Carly said that were meant to be kept behind closed doors or would they would have liked to have kept behind closed doors. So I think that's a very interesting situation to, to keep an eye on and um, see if anyone will have a retort for Carly. But it does not seem we've heard anything from that perspective yet. Just a wild, wild story. And I hope that Carly and Hope Solo can can move on from this and and not be so focused on the U.S. Women's National Team and and move on to to bigger and better things. Next major major piece of news: we finally have a NWSL commissioner. Uh, it was. A couple months at least uh, after Lisa Baird, of course, abuse of power and all these other things that, that we worried about. I remember, you know, specifically talking about how great of a hire Lisa Baird was because of her resume. And you could probably say the same thing about Jessica Berman as the new commissioner. She joins the NWSL from the National Lacrosse League, where she served as the deputy commissioner and executive vice president of business affairs. She said in a statement that, quote, I'm honored to be the next commissioner of the NWSL and grateful to the owners for their confidence in me, Berman said. Working on behalf of and in partnership with our players is my number one priority. Having been involved in professional sports for many years, I know how critically important a genuine partnership with players is for all of us to be successful and continue to grow. Now, prior to joining the National Lacrosse League, Berman spent 13 years with the NHL, first as vice president and deputy general counsel, and later as vice president of community development, culture, and growth, as well as executive director of the NHL Foundation. Uh, my, she also said, my background is that I'm a labor lawyer, so I've, I'm a firm believer in the partnership that exists with our union. I like to say it's a marriage where you can't get a divorce, where we have to work together. That will be my priority moving forward. And so again, that all sounds incredible on paper. On paper, this seems like an, an amazing hire. It seems like a home run hire. She's one of the more experienced sports executives that has worked in multiple leagues, just like Lisa Beard did. So it, again, this seems like a great fit. And the fact that she's a labor, labor lawyer and wants to be there for the players, again, an even added bonus that Lisa Beard might not have been bringing to the table. So now you look at this and again, it sounds great, but we have to again take it with a grain of salt. It's going to take some time for uh, Jessica Berman to try and win our trust back because no, how can you after what happened with Lisa Baird and, and we saw a similar situation. So we're going to have to see what exactly how this situation plays out. But we have a new commissioner finally. Seems like a great hire and hopefully Jessica Berman can help us take the, the league to new heights. Another major piece of NWSL news, MasterCard and the NWSL Players Association have struck a deal, and there's a key distinction there. It's not the NWSL and MasterCard, it's the Players Association. So MasterCard announced earlier that they have reached a multi-year partnership with the Players Association, and this was after, of course, they had partnered with NWSL last year. And so Raja Rajanmar of the... 
MasterCard chief marketing and communications officer said, we strive to ensure that women have a seat at every table. Gender equality is an issue that demands action and our alliance with the Players Association advances that pledge. We're proud to deepen our support of women's soccer and are looking forward to an outstanding season for these passionate, emboldened players and the growing fan base. So an, an incredible piece of... Um, incredible piece of news here because MasterCard is not just saying, hey, we want to help the league. We want to help the players too. And this is a huge step towards, again, making sure the players have more money and have more of the power on their side so that they can be happy. They can be successful while choosing to do this as a career. So exciting news from between MasterCard and the Players Association, an incredibly unique deal that you won't hear anywhere else. So I think this is a really awesome deal and hopefully it, it's the first of many to come in the future. Alrighty, let's get into the Challenge Cup right around the corner. Rosters have been released. Let's give you a prediction of how we think the Challenge Cup's going to shake out leading up to the playoffs and, and we'll go from there. Again, just to give you a recap on how the tournament's going to go. Three divisions, Central, East, and West divisions. The top team from each group advances along with the best second place team overall to make up a top four for the semifinal. Okay, so in the Central, you have the Red Stars, the current Racing Louisville, and Houston Dash. And the, the East, you have Gotham FC, North Carolina Courage, Orlando Pride, the NWSL defending champions, Washington Spirit. The West, we have Angel City, San Diego Wave, Portland Thorns, and OL Reign. So we'll do kind of like a, a roster by roster breakdown and kind of give a prediction on how we think those groups are going to play out. First, we get into the Chicago Red Stars roster here and you look at what they have. They've got a tremendous selection of, of talent here between Alyssa Nair, Cassie Miller, and Emily Boyd. They're, they're set at keeper. They have keepers that they like. Not only do you have Casey Kruger coming back, Tierna Davidson, they, they developed Tatum Malazzo as a potential starter. You still have Bianca St. George's and Aaron Wright, so they're pretty solid at the back. You look in the midfield, they bring back essentially everyone from this hardcore midfield. Sarah Waldmo, Colaprico, DiBernardo, Morgan Goutreau, everyone is in is in the mix still for Chicago coming into this tournament. And then you have an attack between Yuki Nagasato, who is back, Mallory Pugh, Kaylea Watt. I mean, a, a plethora of, of riches, honestly, along with the draft picks that they have. So you look at Chicago, I definitely like them as the team to be the best team out of the Central. And, you know, I figured this would be a perfect segue to our very, very special and exclusive interview with Chris Petroselli, the new Red Stars head coach. A nearly four-month-long search for Rory Dame's successor finally came to an end with the appointment of experienced college soccer coach Chris Petroselli. He was most recently the head coach at SMU and has a very strong resume dating all the way back to the 1980s. He won two national championships at the D3 level at UNC Greensboro, was an old Dominion assistant coach, then went to Notre Dame, won the national championship there in 1995. He's coached the under-21s women's national team and at the University of Texas before moving to the Southern Methodist University or SMU in 2012. By the end of his time at SMU, he was the seventh winningest coach among active women's soccer coaches in the United States. So with all of that being said, 
Here it is, guys. Very special interview with Chris Petroselli. Enjoy. So, Coach, it's uh, it's been a couple of week a couple of weeks since you've uh, been hired. Now that you've had a little bit of time to digest and, and get settled in, how are you feeling about being with the Chicago Red Stars? Uh, it's it's been it's been a, a great experience. You know, going to training every day with really talented, serious soccer players, interacting with just high level individuals every day, dealing with uh, a staff that's first class. You know, I can't I can't say enough positive things. It's been it's been a wonderful experience so far. Absolutely. And from the last time uh, we spoke, you know, you were very happy, very comfortable at SMU. Uh, what is it about this Red Stars job that made you want to leave Texas behind? Yeah, I I, uh, I still was very happy and comfortable at SMU. You know, I I had no intentions of of leaving um wasn't looking to leave or anything like that and um as i started to go through the process you know after some conversations with with uh, some different people in the organization it started to excite me you know the project itself started to excite me for a number of reasons one you know, it's the, the league is is very solid. The league is now, um, you know, in, in the 10th year, moving forward, um, getting better and better. One of the best leagues in the world. So so to be involved in the league first, I think, was was attractive. Um, and then the organization itself, you know, in, in talking really in talking with the players is, is kind of what convinced me that this is a, a place that I want to be. And I had a couple of uh, conversations with a number of players uh, in the interview process that just made me feel really good about you know, coaching high-level players and being connected to high-level players and, and, and helping high-level players. And you, know, you mentioned this project really exciting you. What would you say is your vision for this team, if you have one yet? And yeah. what kind of football do you want this team to play? Well, I, I'd like to see us be a team that is uh, – exciting, attractive, um, attack minded. Um, I think we have, we have players that are fun players to watch, you know, Mal Pugh gets on the ball and it's exciting, you know, and, and fun to watch. Um, so I think a team that goes forward teams on the front foot, a team that is, is pressing forward, uh, you know, all game long. And then, you know, a team that is, is hard to beat defensively and, you know, again, if we look at personnel and, and we have Tierna and, and Alyssa sort of solidifying the backside, I, I think it's a team that shouldn't give up a lot of goals. Yeah, just to sort of follow up on that, you mentioned kind of getting to talk to the players during the interview process. What are your overall thoughts on the roster that you have to work with right now? Yeah, so uh, I think it's talented. Um I think that you know you look at the number of uh, of returning players that are that are I mean really high high level players you know some of the best players in the world that you know that are on the roster so you have a lot of talent there we've got some young players I think that um, have done quite well I'm not sure if the roster is complete yet uh, I think that you know we we're continuing to look around and and seeing if there are other options out there that, you know, that could help us. Um, but I think it's a pretty talented roster. 
I'm sure over the last couple of weeks, you've had to deal with a lot of questions about the previous coach who was here and some of the things that happened. But what are your plans on making sure that the players have the safest work environment possible? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, one of the things that we talk almost daily with about players, coaches, staff, it's, it's just respect, you know, and respecting the players, space, privacy, respecting who they are and, and, and what they do, respecting their time, you know, just con- continuing to respect, you know, what they're all about and, and uh, making that part of our culture, making it part of who we are and, and, and what we do. And it's, I think the environment's been, been, been pretty good so far. I, I feel pretty good about, about where we're at as far as players being comfortable um, and, and when players are comfortable, they play better um, and, and players feeling feeling in, like they're in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, for you personally, how do you feel leaving or transitioning to the professional level, level after having been a college coach yeah. for so long? Have there been any challenges? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first of all, look, it's hard to leave um, any team, right? And I had a a team of players that um, I really enjoyed being with. Um, and, and that was, that was quite difficult, but I think, you know, anybody who looks at it, you know, you look at it and you say, Oh, okay. I get it. Right. I mean, you're, you're going to work with some really, really talented players. So I, I you know, soccer is, it's a simple game. And, and so I don't know that there are a, a huge amount of differences when it comes to to coaching the game. The game is the same, right? You pass the ball, you dribble the ball, you hit the ball. Like the game is the game. Um, so I don't know that the challenges are are in the actual game itself. Mm-hmm. The challenge for me, the biggest challenge for me, is is learning the players and learning the league. Right? That, that that'll be the biggest challenge for me. You know, until until I get through probably a season, you know, of, of, of learning who's out there and, and what the different teams do and how they play and, and that sort of thing. But I, I think that's my biggest challenge. And you, know, you mentioned the game being the same, but what are some of those other differences that you would say you've experienced between the college league uh, and the NCAA and the NWSL? Well, there's no recruiting. Um, so that means, you know, that I'm not spending a lot of time, uh, trying to figure out what TikTok is and things like that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, as we're recruiting like 15 year old players, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, one of the, one of the differences I'm dealing with like, you know, full professional adult players, you know, um, players that have, um, families and, and, you know, other things going on and, and, you know, promotional appearances and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with sort of maybe a different set of, uh, of circumstances. You also, I think, have a lot more freedom in the NWSL as, you know, the college game, the NCAA is very limiting, you know, limiting like on the amount of hours you can train and when you can train and how often and, and all of that kind of stuff. So there, there certainly is a lot more freedom. Cool. And last question for you, coach. Uh, what are your biggest takeaways, lessons from your time in college that you'll feel you'll be able to use and apply in Chicago? Yeah. 
I think the thing over time that that I learned was was how important it is to connect with all of the players, not just you know the top two or three or something like that like that. Um, you know, to try to get your team to play at a high level to create a an environment a culture where people enjoy coming to work and, and and that sort of thing. I think that you know that's my you know my biggest goal here is to try to really connect with everybody and try to get us very much um, a team um, as opposed to just a few individuals. And I, I think that you know the college environment really does. You know, it 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 puts you in situations where you know, their players are living together and and around each other all the time and that kind of thing. And I think that's something that I I, I would like to see us really develop as a team. Again, that was Coach Chris Petroselli of the Chicago Red Stars, and it's really cool because we actually had him on the podcast a couple years ago, almost four years ago to be exact, when he was at SMU. So for him to go from there to getting this opportunity with the Red Stars and you know seeing what he's going to be able to do is an exciting prospect. You're talking about one of the best coaches at the college level for many, many, many years, and now he's going to get a chance to you know really try and create a winning environment and a safe environment for the Chicago Red Stars players. I think we're going to see a brand new culture and, and a different feel, you know, surrounding this team. And again, the advantages that he has in college, being able to create a culture and getting people to work together for a common goal. That's what he is going to be really good at. And obviously the goal here is, is to win a title, but to bring everyone onto the same page, he's going to have an incredible impact on this job. And it was a really, really, really great hire to go and get one of the best college coaches in America who has this much experience at almost every level. So it's a, it's a home run hire. And I think, again, the Red Stars are probably the the team to beat coming out of the Central Division when you, when you look at those that group of, of four teams that you have there. But anyway, let's get into more of the rosters and I'll get into, again, kind of where I feel these teams will end up. The Orlando Pride roster has just been absolutely gutted between both of the expansion drafts and everything else, all these moving pieces, players getting traded away. This roster is going to be, they're going to have a tough time getting points. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Orlando clearly has a philosophy of wanting to develop their draft picks, and that's amazing, and this is going to be their opportunity in you know, the Challenge Cup to be able to do this. It seems like, you know, some of the teams are treating it like the preseason competition that it's meant to be, and others are bringing full-blown rosters. All of the stars are coming out, so it's going to be interesting to see the this disparity between the teams. You look at Orlando, <laughs> you just have Marta and Sidney LaRue, essentially. Darian Jenkins is going to have to step up and play a big role to assist LaRue and Marta in those positions. You do have Erica Timrak, who is Solid, Maggie Doherty, Howard, Gunny. It's going to be a tough midfield, a tough defensive-minded midfield, but being able to connect from back to front, do they have that attacking-minded midfielder? I am not so sure. Then you look at the back. Cecilia Jimenez, Delgado, Carrie Lawrence, Courtney Peterson, Tony Presley. They do have a good enough defense, Aaron McLeod in goal, um, but I still think they're going to struggle in that Eastern Division with, with Gotham and Washington and you know, I, I just don't see them coming out of the, the East division at all. This is going to be a build. This is going to be a learning experience to prepare for the NWSL season for Orlando. 
Moving on at West San Diego, the San Diego Wave, I think, have a very, very interesting roster. Um, you look at their attack, they look phenomenal in attack once you add Alex Morgan, Jody Taylor, and they sign Sofia Jacobson, one of the more underrated uh, signings from Real Madrid, uh, one of the better Swedish players who is going to wreak havoc. So those three are really great. You stand Katie Johnson off the bench. The midfielders are, it's a young midfield that they're going to have to develop. The only real experienced player is Emily Van Egmond. So midfield, San Diego is going to struggle. Defensively, they look great though. Defensively and in net between Kaylin Sheridan, Dahl Kemper, Naomi Gurma. Kaylee Real, Kristen McNabb, and Wes Fawlty. Like, they have the defense handled on lock. It's the midfield where San Diego's going to struggle. I think that makes it tough for them to be the team that's going to advance out of that West group because this is a brand new team, and we're going to get to see how they all play together. Uh, but I think they, they're going to be fun to watch. This West Western division is by far the most competitive and going to be the most fun for sure. San Diego has a chance to get out, but they're going to have to win win some games. Same goes for Angel City. Again, they look great in attack. They signed June Endo. You trade for Tyler Lucy and Simone Charlie from Portland, and you add Jasmine Spencer to go with Kristen Press. I think they're all set there. Uh, defensively, you know, between Sarah Gordon, who will not be available due to a knee injury, Ali Riley, and Paige Nielsen, they do have some some defense in there, some proven players, but the midfield is where it's going to be difficult. You do have McCaskill, Weatherholt, Macaro, some veterans to be able to hold this together, but do they have enough depth, enough depth everywhere to where they're going to be really competitive? I think it's a similar situation to San Diego where they're going to be tough, um, but they're probably on the same level right now um, in, in that group of four. Racing Louisville is a very interesting team. Very, very interesting. Kim Bjorkren, one of the better you know managers in the world, has a guy that no one really knows about, but did some incredible things carrying his team in Cyprus to an undefeated season and, and doing in, in the league and doing really well in the, in the Women's Champions League. So you look at their attack and, and what the kind of style that they're going to play, I think they're, they're going to be so much fun in attack. You add Jess McDonald to this roster, Nadia Nadim as well, and Chena Matthews to go with Ebony Salmon, CeCe Kaiser, and Amina Ekic. They have a ton to work with in a they're going to be scary, but the midfield is young. How how does Jalen Howell and Savannah DeMello, Lauren Millier, how do they all do together? Okay, because that's going to be a big question mark for Racing Louisville. And then at the back, you know, they have Addison Merrick and Emily Fox, the former number one pick, Aaron Simon. So they have enough. They will also be competitive, but I don't think they have quite enough to be the best team in, in their group in the Central. They will be very competitive, though. This is a good team. Moving on to Portland out west, I think Portland's going to be in the mix with the OL Reign as like that team that will be competing for that top spot. Uh, Bella Bixby is, is setting goal, I think, at the back. They're also set. It's really the midfield with no 
Lindsay Horan. How does is this going to go? Crystal Dunn is is pregnant, or you know, you know, in that whole process of of going through that. So you really have Sam Coffey, who you're really hoping can step up and give you a big lift, because you have Rocky Rodriguez, Angela Salem, Olivia Moultrie is definitely going to get some opportunities in this tournament, which is exciting. But um, the midfield is is where they're going to have to keep things tight and where they can get beat because uh, up top they're pretty much set with Smith, Sophia Smith, Morgan Weaver, Christine Sinclair. I think they're good there. So for Portland, it's just the midfield where they need, they're missing one or two players. So they're younger players like a Yasmin Ryan, Gabby Provenzano, who they drafted, Sam Coffey are going to have to step up in this Challenge Cup. Houston Dash, the roster is really interesting now. It's like you want to pick against them in this format. They are very, very good at rallying around each other in this situation and and playing their best. However, that was with Christy Mewis in the picture. She has now been traded to Gotham, and all of a sudden this team looks a little bit different. I feel like you go get Maria Sanchez as a replacement. I think she's going to be great. That signing really went under the radar. But when you look at again the, their midfield, they're gonna they're gonna struggle if you have to put Shea Groom in not in a non-attacking midfielding role, right? If you have to have you do have Sophie Smith to keep things kind of solid. Marissa Vigiano did really well in Orlando. How does she do in Houston now? But they don't have enough at the back and in the midfield to really be this super competitive team like they always have been. Alicia Chapman and, and Katie Naughton are there, but what about the rest of this back line? Still so many questions. Um, obviously, no questions at goalkeeper for Houston, but I don't think they are going to be one of the teams to get out either. Gotham, however, is absolutely loaded. You want to talk about a team that did not sit and wait around. This team's going to be really, really good uh, when you look at between Ashlyn Harris and Michelle Betos. You have two great keepers loaded across the back line with starters. Pretty, any one of their defenders could pretty much start. The midfield between Kujo, Kawasumi, Long, Ali Long, Christy Mewis, you just traded for, Domi Richardson, and McCall Zerboni. They are set in the midfield, and they bring back everyone from their attack. Paige Monahan, Ife, Midge. Gotham is going to be the best team out of the East, without question. I don't see, unless the Spirit can, you know, have, unless the Spirit have their number, the Gotham on paper is clearly the most talented team to come out of the East, and I think they are probably the favorites to win this whole thing, if I'm being totally honest. They look like they have the best, com- most complete roster. When you move to Kansas City, I think this is a very sneaky, sneaky team, man. Do not sleep on this team. You trade for a Dizzle. You trade for all of these different pieces through trades with... Um, the North Carolina Courage. So you add Lynn Williams to this roster with Kristen Hamilton. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough. No one's gonna want to play this team. Okay, I think they still have some kinks to work out together. You know, a good mix of veterans and, and younger players. You look at the midfield; they have their usual suspects of Lola Banta and Chloe Lagarzo. But you also add Sam Mewis to the picture. All of a sudden, Kansas City, Kansas City really has a chance to be competitive in the Central. And I think with Chicago, they're they're going to be in the mix for that second place spot, that last four spot. Expect Kansas City to be in the mix. I'm telling you, they're better than advertised for sure, and they play as a team. They're going to be tough. 
The Courage, on the other hand, a little bit different. They do have, you know, the, still the star power, right? Between Dabinia, Denise O'Sullivan, right? They have the star power available to them. How do the draft picks do? If Diana Ordonez can be half as good as what Lynn William was able to give to them, the courage are going to be a problem. But until then, we still have a lot to see from what they can do. Dabinia might just have an, an absurd tournament in a crazy year. She kind of just has to take over for this team. I think if she doesn't, like this is, you know, it's going to, a lot of the responsibility is going to fall on her, which is unfortunate. But, you know, they, they have some talent there. It's going to come down to how well Dabinia does. If Dabinia does well, the courage will do well. If not, they're, they're not going to. Ah, yes, the Washington Spirit, the NWSL champs, right? Bring back essentially everyone as well. They're going to be, right? I just feel like that run that they went on last year was them just playing their best at the right time. Now, again, the situation changes. Can you do it again in this spot? I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see between Gotham and Washington how that Eastern Division shakes out. So between the, these two teams, they're going to be fighting it out for that top spot. And I think, again, whoever, like the Spirit or Gotham is going to be that fourth team, if not Kansas City. Okay, those are the teams, I think, that are clearly like the favorites to to make up that top four for sure because the spirit are bringing everyone back there's no like almost everyone back i think except for Paige nielsen so they're going to be good (laughs) the spirit are going to be as advertised i think that's going to be they're going to be fun to watch as well ol rain wow again one of my favorites i think they are my favorite team to come out of the west they bring everyone back lou barnes Except in net, really. They're going to go. It seems like Claudia Dickey is going to be the new number one in net. But outside of that, everyone else pretty much returns. They just traded Madison Hammond to Angel City FC, which is an interesting move. But you have the experience in in Lulu Barnes, Sofia Huerta, Phoebe McLernan. They have so much depth. Alana Cook at the back. They're set there. Midfielders Angelina has come along so well. MVP from last year, Jess Fishlock, Rose Lavelle. You have Quinn, and you add some solid defensive depth in Nikki Stanton. So the midfield is locked up, and then in attack, they look great. Bethany Balser, Ziara King, Veronica Latsko, you add, and Megan Rapino. They're bringing everyone. The, to me, the rain are the favorites out of the West. The Red Stars should be the favorites out of the the Central, and Gotham should be the favorites out of the East with the Spirit or the Current as that team that could fight for that fourth spot. San Diego and Angel City FC, I think, will be in the mix, but um, there's there's just too many uncertainties with how we just don't know what we're going to get out of them yet because no one's seen them play. So it's tough to say, hey, they're going to make it to the next round. But if they do, it would be an incredible story. Same with Racing Louisville, also a brand new team as well. All right, so those are my predictions. Again, let me know what you got, right? Let us know what you got at girlssoccernetwork.com, at girlssoccernet on Twitter, at girlssoccernetwork on Instagram. Let us know what your predictions are for the Challenge Cup. All right, wrapping things up here, we've got just a couple of small pieces of news for you. City 
Manchester City, that is, over in England, wrestled the Continental Cup trophy away from Chelsea after Sam Kerr scoring in the 34th minute to make it 1-0. But Caroline Weir has had an incredible year, netted a brace, as well as Ellen White scored to win 3-1. That was a big win for City, considering they are fifth in the table. Arsenal is top right now with Chelsea two games in hand and five points back so they still could take the lead you know United in third Tottenham in fourth it is a bit of a shock to see City in fifth but I think it seems like it's a two-team race between Arsenal and Chelsea as it's been and so that's what's going to make it very interesting as we head down the stretch of the FA Women's Super League. Another small nugget uh, the U20s of the U.S. Women's National Team won the CONCACAF Championship, and I don't think that should come as a surprise to anyone, really. I think it's this is more so for the younger players to get the international experience they need so that they can work into the senior team. Because they, they really didn't get tested this tournament at all. Olivia Moultrie and a couple other younger stars got the opportunity to showcase their skills, score a couple goals. Um, they played teams like Suriname in this competition. So like, take it with a grain of salt that they won. Everyone expected them to win. It's more like a, a glorified trophy for them because there was no real competition for them at that tournament. It's just worth mentioning the next generation's coming and they have a chance to be just as dominant so it's it's that's the exciting thing from that and we hope that it continues lastly to wrap things up ada hegerberg does not get enough respect if she was messi or ronaldo or if she was on the men's side she would get so much more praise for all of the records that she's broken but she does not she has now Broken the record for most goals all time in, in Women's Champions League history with 56. She also has the most titles and the most appearances. So, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest all-time players in the history of the game. But no one knows about, like, really knows about her or knows what she's done. So, you know, at least on this side of the pond. Like, there are, the hardcore fans will know. But the casuals might not know who Ada Hegerberg is simply because of she's in Lyon. And so it's it's crazy how if yeah the numbers that she's putting up, we would see Messi and Ronaldo like memes all over social media saying how great they are. But Ada Hegerberg deserves the same recognition, for sure. Without question. And so I it's almost frustrating to see that she doesn't get the respect that she deserves. And then not only that, but dealing with the Federation that the Norwegian Federation and not playing because the situation wasn't to where she felt it should be. So she's been going through a lot recently. And part of me hopes that she leaves Lyon and goes to another club so that she could get recognized because it's almost like she's been there for so long and dominated for so long that you're almost forgotten about. So, you know, congrats to Ada Hegerberg for, you know, breaking another record. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you truly will be one of the all-time greats. All right. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in to an episode of Give and Go. Again, this was episode 48. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe the podcast on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Please plug us, share this, let people know that you like our podcast. Let us know what we can do to improve it. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram as well, at RowanDetas25. You can get in touch with me, get in touch with Girls Soccer Network, whatever. But let us know. Give us some feedback. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. 
All right, guys, that's all we got for episode 48. We are signing off. Thank y'all.